2: There's something about whether it's you're an underdog or a road game, um, just having your backs against the wall and knowing it's it's just your team versus everybody else when you're counted out. and it, it, It's always fun to be in that role. Uh, obviously, I'm pretty comfortable in it, but uh, our team has completely embraced
0: that throughout the year. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's.
2: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers, alongside a very sharp Matthew Berry and Jay Croucher. Baker Mayfield, guys, at his best when he is the underdog.
3: He was magnificent last night. Good for Baker. Good for Baker. Good for Jared Goff. Good weekend for written-off quarterbacks, Matthew. Right.
2: Yeah, for, for sure, right? It was,
4: it was uh, Redemption Road. I mean, think, think about this. Like, you know, it, no one ever believed in Mahomes or Josh <laughs> Allen. Like, And those two guys came through as well. People doubted Mason Rudolph on the road, and he showed everyone that they were right. But no, no, seriously. No, Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield, uh, unbelievable stories. You also, by the way, uh, you have the number one seed in the NFC is Mr. Irrelevant. Yes. And you have the number one seed in the AFC is uh, pretty good for a running back.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, like you know, a guy that was,
4: uh, yeah, you know, he, a little. We, we like our guys a little bit more quarterbacky. Yeah, right? I mean, so it is. It's a, it's an unbelievable kind of uh, uh, playoff field here when you think about it. Yep. it's kind of a redemption road, if you will.
3: Do you know Matthew, the football Night in America, ended two days ago? What's going on with your outfit?
4: I, I have to, um, you know, sometimes I like to class up the joint. Right, they, I'm doing this. Listen, I'm. Uh, you know what? I, I want to, I want to honor Jason Kelsey's career. I'm doing this. Uh, he's, uh, Jason Kelsey, of course, the news broke, uh, you know, last night he told everyone that he was retiring. Yeah. We'll talk about this a little bit later on the show, but just want to point out Jason Kelsey drinks for free. An unbelievable <laughs> career for Jason Kelsey. We're all, we're all Jason Kelsey fans oh, yeah. here at the happy hour. You drink for free, Mr. Kelsey. No, to be honest with you, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, NBC, the national broadcasting company, has uh, asked me to record something. And look a little bit nicer than I do on this thing. So <laughs> after the show, just because of timing, just anyway, I have to, you know, I have to wear this. And yeah. I'm not allowed to say on air what it is, right. but it, it'll be something that'll be on actual network television.
3: Yes, and the the Alabama the Roll tied hoodie wasn't going to suffice. Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's okay. exactly the what. European team. which yeah. is what I. <laughs> yeah. which
3: that's which what I was pushing what, for. Yeah, yeah, no,
4: I walked into I walked into work today in a uh, Roll Roll Tide hoodie. So. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so yeah, this is, this is me uh, working smarter, not harder. So yeah, you know, and I'm glassing up the joint. This yeah. is, yeah, a little, uh, little Football Night in America. And by the way, we do know also now what the matchup will be. It will be Buccaneers mm. at Lions on Sunday, first game. And yours truly, along with everyone else on Football Night in America, will be there in Detroit for the pregame at 2 p.m. Eastern, leading up to kickoff at 3 p.m. on NBC
2: Sports and Peacock. I'm a company man. The battle of former number one picks now playing for new franchises. You, you don't get that no, level of redemption very often, and we saw that really in you know, full circle last night, Jay, with Baker Mayfield as we led off with 337 yards, three touchdowns. The Bucks' offense just completely stomped out this Eagles defense where we've seen this coming the way the season ended for Philadelphia. But even this was a surprise. I mean, at, to be fair, the Bucks were underdogs in this game.
0: Yeah,
3: I don't know what happened to James Bradbury. That was the most glaring thing to me on the Eagles defense. His inability to tackle, you can see it there on your screen. And talked yesterday about how, just wanted to see the first two or three plays of Baker Mayfield and what he looked like physically. <laughs> and if he did look right, then the, 231 and the half passing prop was going to be way too low. He looked fine. He looked fantastic. He was moving with just such zip, making quick decisions. I got sacked a few times, but I'm not sure they were really on him. Uh, and I mean, he was fantastic. And that is the guy that he was in the second half of the season.
4: That was a great call in the 231. I wish I'd remembered to bet that. I, I didn't. I was sitting at home with my kids and everything like that. And I just, I forgot, to, I, uh, I forgot to bet that. But he cashes that easily as well, well over as well. Over 300 yards, throws three touchdowns as well. You saw that. It, he got some help by the, the poor tackling. But, you know, give credit where credit is due because so much of the conversation about this game will be about the failure of the Philadelphia Eagles, not only in this game, but over the second half of the year. But, like, Baker Mayfield played well. No. The entire team, honestly, and not only did Baker Mayfield play well, he should have played, quote-unquote, a lot better. Mike Evans had a couple of brutal drops. Kate out and had a couple of drops as well. Like, honestly, like players making normal plays that they would normally make, Mike Evans being normal Mike Evans, like he's over 400 yards and like four touchdowns. I, you know, so, I mean, like, I felt like he wasn't getting a ton of help. Like, I do feel like the interior of the line of the Buccaneers didn't hold up nearly as well. Like, he was under pressure a decent amount. So, I, I thought Baker had a great game. And for a guy that had been written off and is on his, whatever it is, fourth team and you know, 18 months or whatever right. it is, like – Good for Baker Mayfield.
3: Yeah, good, good for him. Great, great comeback season for him. I mean, he finished statistically as about, like, the 10th best quarterback in football, which is incredible for a guy who came into the season and us not wondering if he was going to beat out Kyle Trask for the starting job. Um, congratulations as well to a guy that we never talk about, Dave Canales. Thank who, you. Dave yeah, Canales. Right. I don't know if it's because his name sounds like character on, like, season four of The Shield. Right. Um, with, like Shane Vendrell and Vic Mackey and Dave Canales. But, I mean... This offense wasn't supposed to be good. The offensive line was supposed to be bad. Baker Mayfield wasn't supposed to be the answer. They fixed the offensive line. They have an explosive downfield passing offense. And they start to get a bit of the run game going as well. It's a really solid offense at the moment.
4: Especially when you think about the fact that coming into the season, they, they had Evans and Godwin. Godwin and Evans. Yeah. Like, they didn't have much. And they're like, can Rashad White be a three-down back? Like, we, had, we saw some moments of it last year, but, like, you know, they'd had Leonard Fournette as well. And, oh, by the way, they had Tom Brady under center. So, like, they didn't, you didn't know if Rashad White could be a true workhorse running back. They didn't have much depth behind him. Could you get anything out of Trey Palmer or Cade Otten or some of these other complementary guys? You know, so they didn't have a ton of depth on this team, and yet the Buccaneers uh, managed to produce, you know, for the most part, you know, obviously, a nice fantasy season and statistically, and they were able to move the ball. Uh, this defense, which is much maligned, you know, um, stepped up as well. I mean, like, you know, give credit on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Like, I'm not a huge Todd Bowles guy, but give credit where credit is due. The defense played well. Winfield is an absolute stud. Like, what a find for them.
2: The fact he was not the all-pro. It's unbelievable. The pro Bowl safety over Buda Baker is one of the craziest storylines of the NFL season. I mean, it's
3: ridiculous. It's like having uh, Jared Goff MVP over Lamar Jackson. No shade to Jared Goff, just the first name (laughs) that popped into my mind. But, I mean, it's insane. And he has, I mean, he and Kyle Hamilton have been the two best safeties in football this season. And the reality is with the Bucs is that, they lost Tom Brady, and they got better. Like, they had a better record. They've gone further in the playoffs, winning a playoff game. Uh, so it's a great story all around. And Todd Bowles, I think, I think the knock on Todd Bowles, like, I think everyone's always thought that he's a good defensive game planner. He's a good defensive It's just like he's this guy head coach. Looks like he's a head coach. And the defensive game plan, Hurts has struggled with pressure and blitz all season. And they're like, all right, well, we're just going to blitz you every time right, and, yeah. until you find an answer. Uh, if the Eagles go in empty, it's just blitz, blitz. And Hurts had no answers all night.
4: Fifty-four percent of the time, the Buccaneers blitz Jalen Hurts. That was the highest blitz rate by any team in the Wild Card round. They were actually blitzed the fourth highest rate this season, not including, um, not including the playoffs. Philadelphia, right? Exactly. Teams knew like that's the way to do it, and they just they never adjusted. They never had a plan for it. And you know, I mean. I- to me, and nothing came out, like, and they're not an excuse team, but I'll say it just doesn't feel like Jalen Hurts luck like Jalen Hurts this entire season. It just looks like he's just gimping through and trying to tough it out. I don't think he was 100% healthy.
3: To me, the problem, though, Connor, is that he did look like Jalen Hurts, but the Jalen Hurts are 2021. 20, He looked exactly like that guy for most of the season. I'm not sure with the knee. Like, when he takes off, like, he seems to be moving fine. Like, he seems to be maneuvering normally. I'm not sure if it was a problem at at one point in the season and he got slightly better. I think it's just the offense. He's just playing with no confidence, the offense without Steichen. I mean, he had guys open and he's just not throwing the ball. Like, the safety was so bizarre. Like, that just shouldn't happen. Like, they're not blitzing. He stares the pass rush in the face and then, what, just takes the safety? Like, it's insane.
2: Yeah, it's trust, right? It feels like the trust was not there this year, where last year they were humming all the time. with We're going to come out, our first 15 scripted are going to be boom, 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 and then we're going to adjust. I feel like the Eagles never had that counterpunch all year on offense. It was just tush-push in short yard situations, and we're going to see if we can make a A. great miracle play the rest of the way.
4: Yeah, I mean, in fairness to them, I'll just say this, though, Goddard missed a decent amount of time. Obviously, A.J. Brown wasn't there last night. Like, they've had some injuries on the offensive side of the ball as well, but – yeah, to your point, no, uh, no Shane Steichen on the offense, no Jonathan Gannon on the defense yeah. as well. They also had some losses in the offseason here as well, and it seems insane to think about this. But there's now rumors that Nick Sirianni, a year after leading this team to the Super Bowl, you know, and a guy that was top five in uh, coach of the year odds in the middle of the year when they were 10-1, and one, now might be looking for work in a week.
3: Yeah, it's insane. And think about this as well. It's not just the 10-1. and 1. Think about a quarter time in the San Francisco game where they are destroying the Niners. They should have been up like 14 uh, nothing. Brock Purdy goes three and out both two times. At that point, it looks like the Eagles are your Super Bowl favorite. And now all of a sudden, they just got bounced with a 23 loss at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, it's insane. I can't remember an in-season fall from grace that happened so quickly and so violently as this Eagles season.
2: Well, let's listen to Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts on the state and future of the organization right after the game. Uh, Obviously, we we were in in a big slide, and... You know, uh, anytime, anytime that's the case, I always look at myself first and I didn't do a good enough job. And, and obviously we lost five of the last six and lost today. Uh, and and it's almost like you, you couldn't get out of the rut. We're, we couldn't get out the rut we're in. And that's and that's all of us. Uh, We'll all have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and accept that and, uh, you know, just find, find answers, find solutions. you concerned at all about your job status. Like I just said, too, you know, like I just said over here, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the guys. Um, again, there's a lot of guys in that locker room, all the guys in that locker room, every single one of them, that put their heart and soul into
1: this. Um, I'm not worried about me. Do you want, do you want do Nick more? back? Do you want Nick back? I didn't know he was going anywhere. Well, there's obviously a lot of questions about whether – I don't – I, did, I didn't know that. No,
5: you didn't know that? Nah. Where's, where's, where's the confidence team? level in him then to, to
2: fix this team?
1: I have everybody – I have a ton of confidence in, um, in everyone in this building.
2: Jalen Hurts uh, was the second person you heard from there after Nick Sirianni. Didn't seem too interested in the organization moving on. Yeah. I'm really interested in the question. Didn't we know he was going community. anywhere. <laughs> yeah could just say I started with the second part of the answer. I have full confidence. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, here's the final seven games. After the Eagles started 10-1, and the only loss in those first 11 was to the Zach Wilson-led Jets. Should have been a sign of things to come. Against the Niners, they lost 42-19. to At Dallas, uh, they lost by 20 points, 33-13. to A close one to Seattle. They did beat the Giants in another close game and then lost to the Cardinals, Giants, and then, of course, the Bucks in the wild card round. I mean... The thing is, when you look at the second half of that list there, Barry, it's not even scary opponents. So, it's a, a couple of different things here. First off, like, I'm not surprised. Like, I,
4: I said all week long, and I said it yeah. yesterday, like, like I, th- I love the Bucks plus three, and I think the Bucks actually right. win. You know, I, I said that all because, again, of how they into the season. And I feel like it's a little bit like the Cleveland Browns here, which is like we talked about the Browns going into Houston. We're saying, like, they can't keep getting away with it. Like, the, you know, and it felt like – that the Browns over the second half of the year with all the interceptions and the, and the fumbles and the turnovers by Joe Flacco and that the defense had beaten up on some bad teams, that they were sort of doing it a little bit with smoke and mirrors. And we felt that way about Philadelphia. Even when they were 10-1, and Jay, you and I and Connor, we would talk about this uh, right here on the show. And we'd say like, you know, like they're not a 10-1 and team. Like if Gabe Davis doesn't run the wrong way, they they you know, they lose that game, you know, to the to the Bills or
3: MVS against M V S against the right,
4: a, right if MVS makes a catch like, you know, against the Chiefs, like, you know, big F there. But <laughs> you know the <laughs> fact <laughs> of the matter is. He was that, wide open. He yeah. was throw wide was open. great. <laughs> My point is is that there were a couple of different times up until that San Francisco game where you're like, Wow, they really, you know, they're living right because there are a couple of games that they easily could have lost, probably should have lost, and they didn't so I never think they were as good as the ten and one record indicated, but I think that hurt them as well. It's so interesting in the NFL in terms of perception, right? Because they probably weren't as good as ten and one, but they weren't as bad as losing five of the last six. That's the a- thing as
3: well. when they were ten and one, they were like an eight and three team. But that this team isn't close to an eight and three team the way it's played down the stretch. And I know Hertz is getting a lot of criticism and you saw like the not confrontation, but the exchange he had with Dallas Goddard on the sideline where Hurts, Hurts's body language never looks good. But at the same time, like when Jake Elliott made the 59-yarder against Buffalo, Hurts doesn't, his face doesn't move. Like that's just how he is on the sideline. As so we take a look at Dallas Goddard and Hurts, not really getting into it because Jalen Hurts is just not completely, yeah. there's just no reaction whatsoever. But that's just kind of what he's like on the sideline, and maybe that's a problem in itself. But uh, just a complete disaster. It's incredible to think that. I mean, this team was. Uh, they were like minus four hundred to win the Super Bowl at halftime. Uh, when it looked like Mahomes' knee was done, uh, his ankle was done, and to go from that to go to get to ten and one, and now to fall apart—I mean, it's incredible.
4: Uh, look, the only thing uh, you know—and and, and losing Kelsey—we'll talk about Kelsey here in, in a in a second as well. Um, they weren't able to establish the run game. It, you know that was another problem. Credit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since week eleven. DeAndre Swift has 15 carries, under 15 carries in six of the final eight games. They just didn't run the ball effectively. They never used him in the passing game, three or fewer receptions in 13 of the games he played this year. He ends with, you know, under 70 total yards in a game where they were in negative game script the entire time. You would have thought Swift, one of their better players on offense, would have been more involved. But as much as you and Connor and myself want to sit here and criticize the Philadelphia Eagles, the fact of the matter is is that Penn State, Blake, (laughs) Our researcher here at the Fantasy Football Happy Hour is a diehard fan of all things Philadelphia sports, hence Penn State Blake. He is uh, he is, you know, he went to Penn State, obviously. He loves his Phillies, his flyers, his Eagles. Here he is. Here's Penn State Blake. <laughs> yep. And we have uh, we have decided to let the floor have you. The Eagles season is over, Penn State Blake. The floor is yours. Please, uh, State of the Union for, <laughs> yes, yes, um, please. for the Eagles. Your thoughts on the 2023 season of your
5: beloved Birds. So I'll go to what you said earlier about how they didn't feel like a 10-1 team. This kind of stems back to last season, too. Look at the quarterbacks that they played also. And then you go into the playoffs, play Daniel Jones and the Giants. They lose Brock Purdy. A lot of things were going the Eagles' way. So it kind of felt like that. And then you get the two new coordinators this year. It's not meshing. And then you have a lot of just – just inept play calling and inept playmaking from everybody and it's just it's really frustrating because as a diehard birds fan you just expect every week they're going to be the best team in the league and then they
3: just fall flat on their face what i don't get play i yeah the schedule last year was very easy and mm-hmm. i thought maybe there's a chance this team is just fraudulent but they played so well in the super bowl That's and the they thing. played yep. well enough to win that game yep. and beat Mahomes and hurts was outside of the bizarre kind of fumble six or whatever that was he was magnificent in that game so like what happened to that team I feel
5: like, I feel like this happens in the NFL a lot, and there's like one-off games, and that's the beauty of it. It's like any given Sunday. Just felt like, in that aspect, like Hertz was just playing very well, but the defense couldn't get any stops yep. in that second half, yep. and that bled into this season. And then obviously you have the change with the side to Patricia. Who knows if even that was the right decision? Even in those games the offense scored 13 and 19 points. Yep. So there was clearly an offensive issue, but you couldn't fire the OC because, frankly, this is Nick's offense. Yep. Right. So if you're going to fire the OC, you're kind of firing Nick in a sense, and maybe that's what they're going to do in the offseason.
4: One of the things you said on the, on the pre-show call I thought was really interesting It was about was because, yes, they went from Desai to Patricia, but talk about when they actually made that change. Yeah. Because that was around the San Francisco Yeah, Cowboys. yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, it was after the Dallas game, and both both teams – San Francisco and Dallas were coming off 10-day rest advantage. Yep. So, Eagles had a short week in both times and again I'm, I I just think it might have been a panic mode for a team that was 10 and 1, 10 and 3. Yeah, things weren't going your way, but it wasn't just the defense. Like you had offensive struggles there. So, just putting it on the defensive side and then, you know, maybe Patricia is taking what the side put into the playbook this season, but for some reason we went from a top 6 rush defense from I think week 1 to week 14 they are bottom six the rest of the season. Those last few games with Patricia S D C. DC. So there was just a lot of issues going on with the defense. And obviously the, the offense wasn't going with Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. So just really frustrating from an Eagles fan perspective. Do
4: you, do you put any of this on, on, on Howie? I mean, I think yeah. Howie is one of the best general managers nope, in football. He's, he's, he's put together an unbelievable roster mm-hmm. year after year after year, but you know, they had some losses in the off season.
5: They did. Yeah. You lost uh, TJ Edwards to the bears, uh, Kazir White went to uh, the Cardinals, I believe, with Gannon. And, um, yeah, I think draft philosophy, free agent philosophy, is going to be a big self-reflection for Howie. I mean, it's clear that Eagles don't really like to draft early uh, safeties or linebackers. But that was that. Those were their weaknesses. I right. mean, you saw it last night with K. wide
3: open in the middle of the field. To me, when it became most glaring, and is and like this is the analytical thing to do, is right. is not value running backs or mm-hmm. linebackers, but that San Francisco game where Purdy just with the quick stuff just put them in the blender with their linebackers. Yeah. Um, they just had no prayer whatsoever. They signed Shaq Leonard. He's he, well, he's active. He doesn't even play yeah. last night. Just, yeah. they I mean, the linebackers they were position.
5: putting in there: Moreau, Cunningham. Yeah. Shaq, it was just they were just bodies. I mean, yeah. the, 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 it was just to fill the field. It felt like nobody was even out there. Yep.
4: It was one of the reasons why we always say, "Death taxes start your tight ends yeah, against the Philadelphia Eagles." Yep. and Kate Otten easily cashes right, down his his, his, uh, his prop as well. We talked about that earlier in the week, last week, about mm. that. You know, the public was on that, and we were like, this time we actually sided <laughs> with listening. the public on that. You know, <laughs> they're listening. That yeah. thousand percent
5: as well. Um, but it's over. You know, that's how I see it. It's over. The, de- the I don't know if Nick's going to get fired or not.
4: Do you want as a yeah. fan of the team, do you the want Nick back? Fan base feel.
5: The fan base obviously feels like fire. The fan base <laughs> wants Nick gone. However, the coordinators absolutely need to be gone. Right. You can't have Patricia running this defense. Decide he might honestly be a good D C with some good personnel. Um, but there's a lot of self reflection. I think Nick was trying to run an offense with a Jalen Hurts from last year and he obviously wasn't this this year and it hurt them in the end. So if he's gone, you know, there's a there's a large pool of candidates out there. Maybe, uh, maybe Ben Johnson is the next Philadelphia yeah. Eagles head coach. Yeah, <laughs> didn't work for Brian Johnson. <laughs> let's bring Ben Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> let's all through the Johnsons. Yep. Belichick.
3: Yep. Belichick. Yeah, Belichick. Yeah, or Belichick. We'll yeah, I would say there there Belichick in Philly would be. Oh, something. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. I'm not
4: ready for it. Can, can you imagine Harbaugh in Philly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm rooting for it. Yeah, <laughs> I root for chaos. What's um, um, will But no, but do you? But you, as just you personally as a fan, I'm giving you the power. Nick Sirianni returns <laughs> next year or not?
5: Um, no. He doesn't
4: okay. return. Well. Wow. He doesn't well. return. He's so ball, Super Bowl yeah. loss. Wow. Short memories for the yeah. Eagles. Fans. Penn State Blake so angry. <laughs> so angry. Last question for you, yeah. Penn State Blake. Yeah, you've yeah, been yeah. on you've been on way too long as it is. <laughs> <laughs> the last question for you. Eagles were ten and one uh-huh. in the San Francisco game, and then Big Dom gets yeah, into yeah, yeah. a gets into a fight with the 49ers, gets thrown out of the game, mm-hmm. and from that point forward, the only game you guys win is uh, the Giants game yeah. where you barely beat them. Mm-hmm. You barely beat them. Is this all Big Dom's fault? Because if he doesn't <laughs> get thrown out, maybe they continue the
5: streak. Yeah, I mean, Big Dom's been the, the glue that's kept everything together <laughs> yes. for the last three or four years. So
3: Maybe he can play linebacker instead of Nicholas. Yeah, yeah I like <laughs> yeah. that too. Yeah. Or call plays. <laughs> oh
4: yeah.
5: boy, yeah, maybe. Full power to Dom. Big Dom. We love you, Big Dom.
4: There you go. <laughs> big Dom is back. Sirianni, maybe yeah. not, for, uh, for Penn State, Blake. But, Great uh, stuff, Blake. But, All right. Uh, thanks, big Blake. Don, good you. job. There you, you go. Blake.
3: Penn State, Blake. Go well, Birds. <laughs> <laughs> go Birds. Much like, go birds. Much go like birds. the
4: Eagles, yeah. he is, too, done on this show.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, it doesn't get better
2: than that. Let's go to Pittsburgh. and
4: Buffalo. <laughs> Mason
2: Rudolph. <laughs> uh, to Mason Rudolph, yes. right? 31-17, to 17, the Bills end up winning this game. It felt a lot more distant than that at times, and then a lot closer than that at times. A big roller coaster of a game. The beginning, I like the Steelers were out of it immediately, and then the Bills let them hang around. Josh Allen, 203 yards through the air, the three touchdowns. He also had 74 rushing yards, highlighted by one of the better quarterback touchdown runs we've seen in quite some time, guys. Josh Allen basically got to do whatever he wanted against the Steelers defense. Man. This was
4: a Superman game. This was yep. like, you know, this is one of those like, hey, Josh, put your cape on and lead us to victory, and that's exactly what he did. He just, he did everything. He passed magnificently. Obviously, you talk about the running. They had no Gabe Davis in this game. It didn't matter. You couldn't even tell, honestly. That dime to Kincaid was just absolutely ridiculous as well. Stayed in the pocket. um, Just absolutely played well. This this Shakir touchdown, you know, he's getting some help there. Just a ridiculous play by heel Shakir. But still, the fact of the matter is, is that they didn't have T.J. Watt, so they weren't able to get to Allen as well, but they still did get some pressure on him, but he, he still he stood in the pocket, and here's the touchdown run, which is just, I mean, this is ridiculous. They thought he was going to slide, and just <laughs> keeps Pickett. going. He just outruns these guys. Like, I would not want to be a stealer watching the tape today, having to see, uh, having to see this run. This is just an unbelievable play by FantasyLife.com investor Josh <laughs> Allen.
3: It was Kenny Pickett who like, yes. got that play banned in college, right? So it's some yep. great irony as he watches uh, his successor Mason Rudolph <laughs> get carved up on the other side. But no, Allen was magnificent. I think, personally, we have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL going head-to-head next week. Uh, with Allen against Mahomes, you can throw Lamar into that conversation, Joe Burrow, but I think those are the two guys. The only thing is, and the thing out of this game, which I think is a concern, is Buffalo lost like half their defense which is kind of problem yeah. going up against Patrick Mahomes. Like, all of these guys went down between Bernard, Teron Johnson, who's, uh, you know, one of the yeah. best slot cornerbacks in the league. Uh, they have other guys in the back end going down. Now, the offense is just about fully healthy outside of Gabe Davis, but that is a concern going up against Mahomes, particularly because Mahomes, and his numbers weren't great against Miami. That was the best, I think, their offense has looked in a very long time.
0: It,
4: it really is. On the other hand, the game is going to be in Buffalo. Yeah, Mahomes has never played a playoff game on the road, so that'll be interesting. Buffalo is not an easy place to play, yeah. especially if the weather is anything like it was. And I know they—they, they, you know—they played well last week at home in cold weather. The Chiefs did uh, as well, but this will be a really interesting one. It'll be an unbelievable game between uh, the Chiefs and the Bills. Can't wait to see that one as well. We honestly have a bunch of great quarterback matchups. When you think about the entire divisional uh, round, and we're going to break this down later in the week on on Thursday, but you think about, you know, uh, Brock Purdy against Jordan Love, two quarterbacks that have exceeded expectations. They're both playing awesome, right? C.J. Stroud and Lamar Jackson. I mean, like, you know, like, that'll be awesome. Mahomes and Allen. And then our game, the NBC game, is the great redemption game. It is Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff, who two former number one picks, who kind of, you know, have had roller coaster. Uh, careers, but this year both locked in, both playing really well, both led their teams to this game. So unbelievable storylines and some great quarterback play for this weekend.
2: On the other end of this game, of course, for the Steelers, I mean they were 10-point underdogs going into this game. Mason Rudolph throws the brutal interception in the red zone. He still goes 22-39 for 229 yards and two touchdowns. Pat Fryermuth has a good game. Pickens with the brutal, brutal fumble in the first half. But much like the Eagles, a lot of the story and focus right now is on the head coach, and Mike Tomlin was asked about having one year on his contract after the game. Take a look at his response to the question.
5: Anyone?
1: Mike, you have a year left on your contract.
4: It's amazing, by it, the way. Yeah. So, for those of you that aren't watching, that only heard the audio, basically what happened is the reporter said, Mike, you have a year left on your contract, and he immediately just walks out. Yeah, Immediately. immediately. <laughs> he heard contract. and It's like, yeah, well, because, by the way, I don't know what preceded that, but my guess, guest, Mike Tomlin, like, listen, part of my job is to address the media. You want to talk football? You want to talk about this loss? Exactly. I'm happy to talk about this loss. But the first question is, like, about my job status? when I've never missed the playoff, where I've never had a losing season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. No. Like, stop it. Like, I'll just say this, and I think a lot of organizations that have openings would feel this way. If Mike Tomlin is suddenly available, I'm really interested. Yeah. I w- open arms of the commanders, Mike Tomlin. Right. Come on down. Would love to have you as head coach of the commanders. I think a lot of teams would feel that way as well. By the way, If he ever decides he wants to be into broadcasting, he'll be an amazing commentator. He would be great on TV. Like, Mike Tomlin's a winner. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, and also, like, we rightfully make a big deal of what Kevin Stefanski did with Cleveland, and he did an amazing job, and they had more injuries outside of the quarterback position. But Mike Tomlin had three quarterbacks as well, and he didn't have the number one defense. That team somehow went 10-7, and despite being outgained in the first nine games of the season, which they went 6-3 and in. Like, that was a pretty amazing coaching job.
4: By the way, and Stefanski at least had... So Fansky has more talent on the team. He had yeah. more losses, but he also had more talent on the team. And by the way, he at least had Deshaun Watson. Yes. Like, he had a guy that's been a top-five quarterback. Like, the best that Tomlin had was Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Who, you know, was a healthy scratch in this game, right? right. I mean, like, and ultimately had to go down the stretch with Mason Rudolph. He had some Mitch Trubisky in there. Like, Tomlin had – and T.J. Watt was in and out of the lineup throughout the year, right? I mean, like, yeah. they – Mika Fitzpatrick, they – they, yep. they yep. he missed a bunch of time as well. And so, you know – Talent always does a great job. By the way, the Steelers play in the toughest division in football. Yeah. They went 10 and seven playing in that. That's the toughest division in football. Yep. The AFC North, same with Stefanski. He's in the same division, obviously. But um, I thought the Steelers, it was like, to your point, it was a weird game, but like, I thought the Steelers actually played tough. I get it. You know what I mean? Like the score doesn't totally reflect that. And they got blown out of the first half. But again, the Mason Rudolph, you know, interception in the, in the, in the red zone, absolutely brutal. The Pickens, uh, uh, fumble was brutal. Fryer booth puts it on the ground as well. They end up keeping possession, but still um, the fact of the matter is, is that the, you know, the Steelers after by all accounts, it's freezing cold. You're on the road. You're, you're getting your ass kicked in the first half. They easily could have come out and lay down and they didn't, they played tough. They held Josh Allen, you know, up until like the end of the fourth quarter, the Shakir play, but
2: like they they got back into it. They clawed back into it with Mason Rudolph. Right. They needed a stop at the end of the game, and they couldn't get it. And it goes back to your point of injuries. No T.J. Watt. Joey Porter Jr. has been their best corner this year, a rookie, no. and no. he got hurt in this game. They've had no other corners besides him. They were literally going to have to draft or sign two corners. So they were mand And Miles Jack, I mean, this is harsh, but there's a reason he left football to go be an electrician, and you <laughs> see him come back. Like, I know it's harsh, but, like, he had a tough night. He had a tough night. Had, they had, were thin on defense. They were They're,
4: they were thin on defense. But it it appears I was listening to the broadcast. It appears they found something in this Jalen Warren kid. I was not aware <laughs> of this, <laughs> but uh, apparently Jalen Warren. They've got they've now got a one two punch. This this yeah. brand That's, new
3: who could have seen this? Who
4: coming? could have seen Jalen Warren coming?
3: <laughs> who
1: knew? Oh man,
3: I assumed it was just Najee the whole time. Yeah, uh, yeah. All season who knew?
4: All, but, uh, right? Uh, I mean, we're all surprised. Like. Who is this Jalen Warren? I started looking him up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's yeah. excellent. Uh, that's a tough scene. That was, uh, that, was a, that was a tough scene. Did you know, I, I looked this up because I was shocked by that particular comment, and uh, Jalen Warren had basically 500 less total yards on the season than Najee Harris. Yeah. Like, I didn't look up the snaps, but I bet you the snaps are about even. Like, it's if you've watched literally like 20 <laughs> seconds of any Steelers game. thing for it's the like, entire year. For the entire year. <laughs> like, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I just, that was a, that was, yeah, that was, that was something. Hey, um, back to the other thing. I would just want to say, we sort of skipped over this, but just on the Bills, back to the Bills for one second. I do want to say that, like, he's still not 100% right, but back-to-back games now with seven receptions for Stephon Diggs, who was so quiet down the stretch. Like, it was good to at least see him, again, hes we still haven't had the big play, the big Stefan Diggs play, but at least... Like, possession-wise, active. moving the chains active. Like, that's been good to see the last two games for the Bills' offense, for Stefan Diggs, and for somebody who has him in Dynasty.
2: So, yeah, there Let, you go. Let's take a look at the updated playoff bracket after recapping these games. So This is where it stands, This is Matthew hinted at just a moment ago. These matchups are phenomenal. You have the Texans against the Ravens, Stroud, a f- maybe future MVP, and definitely Offensive Rookie of the Year, against the maybe two-time MVP, Lamar Jackson. Mahomes and Josh Allen, what more can you ask for than a Chiefs-Bills rematch? Jordan Love against Brock Purdy in guys that just had tremendous seasons. By the and the Matt LaFleur back to San Francisco. That's right. Matt LaFleur, um, who is an underappreciated coach in this league, I would say, I would against Kyle com- Shanahan. Matt La- that was a uh,
4: – again, that was a master class in play calling against Dallas.
2: And then um, the number one pick, pick battle on NBC. The Bucks, Baker Mayfield against Jared Goff, the Lions. Those teams didn't draft them. But boy, they're happy they ended up with them. As we look at here, the Super Bowl odds, the Niners, no surprise, they've been the favorite going in, plus 175. The Ravens at plus 290, and then a bit of an open field. With the Bills at plus 500, the Chiefs at plus 700, the Lions at plus 900, and then the three super long shots in the Bucks, Packers, Texans at plus 2,500 there.
4: I, I, I've, I've been saying for quite some time, you know, sort of chalk, but I think it's going to be a Niners-Ravens Super Bowl. Yeah. Having said all that, like I was going to bet this, I actually think, you know, sort of the, the Lions and the, uh, the Chiefs at plus 700, plus 900 there, I think are pretty interesting. The Lions have a little bit of team of destiny uh, feeling to me. Like that's a team that believes, Dan Campbell has them believing they can do anything. Uh, and, you know, I, I, think that, I think they win against Tampa Bay at home this week. And then it's one game and anything can happen. So they've got a shot at the Super Bowl. Uh, and then it's Mahomes. It's Mahomes right. and Reed who have been there before.
3: And, He's and
2: win and two games to make it to the Super Bowl. It's, when you simplify it like that, Patrick Mahomes needs to win two games to go
3: to the Super Bowl. At those right? odds?
2: Yeah, I mean, right? Why not? That's what I'm saying.
4: Why, what you do
3: know? you think? Yeah, I think the Chiefs I'm very worried about all these Bills injuries on defense and so the fact that the Chiefs' offense, the fact that Rasheed Rice played that well and Kelsey didn't have his best game, but at least he got on the stat sheet for like 7 for 71. So they're scary, but I'm with you, Matthew. If I was to make one bet, and this is kind of crazy because I haven't been that high on this team all season, but it would be Detroit at plus 900. Like, they need to win one game as a six-point favorite to get to the NFC title game. And then, yes, San Francisco are terrifying, but for a terrifying best team in the league, like... I haven't forgotten Christmas night where Brock Purdy, like, there is a chance that he could just implode. And I'm a Brock Purdy believer. I think that they are going to win the Super Bowl, I think they're the deserved favorite. But he's not Mahomes. He's not Allen. He hasn't been there before and been able to perform in that spot. And probably the biggest game of his career that he got through healthy. He had the worst game of his career against the Ravens on Christmas. So I think the Lions with that offensive line, their defense is playing better. Uh, just Aiden Hutchinson is playing at like a close to Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons level at the moment. So Detroit would be my bet at plus nine hundred. Yeah. And also, Super Bowls in a dome which is pretty handy for Jared Goff. Yes. Which
4: is definitely handy for Jared Goff. Last thing here as we wrap up this uh, segment here, because we sort of bypassed it. We were doing a bunch of different stuff. But Penn State Blake, who was supposed to do a minute and a half, and I think he did about five or six, and all his uh, diatribe against the Philadelphia Eagles, never mentioned, didn't take one moment, to honor Jason Kelsey, who's been a great Philadelphia Eagle, a, uh, an MVP of their Super Bowl parade, you know a few yep. years ago as well has a famous brother as well i just want to take a moment here on jason kelsey so 13 seasons all with philadelphia six time first time a uh, first team all pro 17 seven time pro bowler very successful podcaster unbelievable on a parade and oh by the way you saw it last night like when they needed they used the tush push the brotherly shove on a two point conversion and couldn't get it and now jason kelsey is retiring so reportedly that's the report as well. Like Jalen Hurts's fantasy value this year was you know kept afloat on some level by all the rushing touchdowns. They got within two yards and it just it was automatic because that's like the most unstoppable play in football. Last night it was stopped, and now Jason like I, I actually think it seems weird to say that there's a fantasy impact to a yes. center retiring. Yeah. But I would argue because of the way Jalen Hurts scores a lot of fantasy points, because of that play and because of his impact, I actually do think – you knock Jalen Hurts' fantasy value down just a little bit because of this.
3: Yep, no, absolutely. Kelsey's been a monster. I think back to the way he played against Kansas City in that game where he's you know running down the field, making these extra blocks. He's, his mobility as well as his strength, I mean, it's incredible. He's one of the great standards of all time. Uh, and it is a big knock. Because Hurts, I mean, he was close to effectively setting the record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. And it's not like he's running them in like Josh Allen was last night. Like, these are, they're largely a tush-push, so yeah. it's, a, it's a blow for hurts and in an offense that now has a bit of uncertainty.
2: Potentially the most athletic center of all time and an incredible player, incredible bastard for the NFL. I'm excited to see what's next for Jason Kelsey. With that, we're going to take our first break. When we're back, we're looking at my 2024 Mock Draft 3.0. lot of players that will have a huge impact in Dynasty and Redraft next year right after this.
4: You know what you did, Connor Rogers. While uh, Jay and I are, you know, mucking around, you actually did some work. You grinded I, I did it for once. <laughs> uh, <Yes. laughs> your mock draft, your mock draft 3.0 is up now on NBCSports.com. It's free for everyone. 2024 mock draft. Before we get into it, Connor, I just want to ask what's your methodology is this what you, if you were in charge of every team this is how you would pick it or is this just because you 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 did this for years and years right. and years at bleach report you're now our draft analyst here at nbc sports as well i know you have contacts around the leagues as well so is this is this what you think will happen or what you think should happen
2: for post season 3.0 this is i'm trying to get closer to what's going to happen because by then you're talking to people you have projections on players you have all-star game invites the season's over you'd rather be closer to show the fans, hey, this is this guy's going to go here. I don't have to rank him. It's what the big boards for. I have a top 75 on NBC Sports if you want to see. I might have a guy 6th or 5th overall. He might be 24th on my rankings. But this is a quarterback league. Quarterbacks are going to go. Wide receivers are going to go. So for 3.0, the methodology is what am I hearing on the players? What am I seeing with the fits? And how high can this player go in the draft?
0: Okay. Well, Pretty let's good. get
3: stuck into it. Let's look at yeah. 1 through 10. Uh, no surprise. The two quarterbacks at the top, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Uh, How good do you think these guys are going to be from the jump, Connor?
2: I mean, they could be fantastic because they're such good athletes and they both have huge arms. So when you look at the limitations physically, there is none. A lot of people with Caleb Williams got carried away over the summer and went, oh, Mahomes. I see more of a uh, a Kyler Murray. but I mean, he's a better passer, in my opinion, than Kyler Murray, but makes those plays out of structure like Kyler Murray. With Drake May, you're going to hear a lot of Justin Herbert comparisons just because physically, 6'4", 225 runner, great accuracy down the field same could be said about Caleb Williams limitless there it's funny last year guys we had so much talk fantasy wise around the running back class B. John Jameer Gibbs and on and on the tight end class and it was a great tight end class in fantasy Kincaid Laporta and this year very quarterback heavy very wide receiver heavy yep. so still more fantasy relevant than ever this draft but just in a different way so questions for you as
4: a commanders fan here so you have us taking, you have us taking yeah of course well screw it it's my show what a,
3: uh don't hear about the titans uh taking uh oluf shanu no Marco? no we're <laughs> you, you're, you're gonna you can do on
4: that on your titans podcast that <laughs> okay. you host uh <laughs> with, up. With, with uh with Jay you and Drew yeah <laughs> you do Drew sec uh, tighten up um uh so here's my question on, on drake may so first off uh i know there was some talk of like Maybe Drake May goes over Caleb Williams. You don't think that's the case anymore. And then I've heard other people say, like, I wonder if Jaden Daniels goes ahead of Drake right. May as well. So am I commander screwed by not getting the first pick <laughs> by Caleb Williams, no. right? You know, are we stuck with, you know, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Leaf instead of Peyton Manning here? You know, is this huh. one of those deals? Or Zach uh, Wilson instead of Trevor
2: Lawrence? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you that's know, a fun one to live through. Right? You uh, know?
4: But We're right now, RG3 <laughs> yeah. instead of Andrew Luck. You know, we had RG3's rookie year. that's true. We said that. Um, uh, you know, is there a chance that Jaden Daniels gets into the spot? What are we getting out of um, Drake May specifically? And right. talk about the, the him versus those other two quarterbacks.
2: The Jaden Daniels one's a great one to bring up because I know one team and only one team that thinks he's the best quarterback in the draft. To show you how all over the place these rankings can be. Now, that team is not picking in the top five. So how much does that matter? But it shows you there are teams looking at these guys in a different way. With Jaden Daniels, why he can go in the top three picks is that this is a dude that is – a Scary runner. I mean, the last two seasons, over 2,000 rushing yards. And he could throw the ball down the field. Now, he's a lighter guy. He hasn't played as consistent, I think, as the other two over the whole stretch of his college career. He won the Heisman this year, but right. the whole stretch of his college career. Now, when you look at Drake May, you're getting a guy that throws with touchdown. I mean, the Terry McLaurin stock up, if Drake May goes there is cannot be. I would say Jahan Dotson, because Dotson can win down the field. May throws with touchdown the field. He's a little chaotic. The decision-making is what a young quarterback looks like, where he'll take chances, uh, very risky chances, but he can move, he can take a hit. He's a big-bodied passer that'll hold up in the pocket. If the Commanders, they already got step one out of the way, which is a big one, Adam Peters, a good evaluator, a respected evaluator, if they get a Ben Johnson and then draft a Drake May or Caleb Williams, I mean, this offense
3: looks totally different. It could can't contain totally. His- his- he so. deserves <laughs> happiness. After I, do, this season. I do deserve <laughs>
4: happiness. And I just, I, I'll, I'll, if that how happens, I I think we, think get Drake really May, we get Drake May, we get Ben Johnson as well. We have $80 million in cap space as well. I just, I'm going to apologize to you guys and the viewers at home because if you think I'm obnoxious <laughs> and annoying now, wait till next year. Wait till next year when we're actually good, where we actually have hope, where we actually have a future.
3: You know what I think I need to do? I think I need to become a New York Giants fan. And just lean into it to yeah. go head to head with your commanders, head to head with Penn I mean, State, like the Eagles. You're a Jets fan. Yeah. I'm not we're going to be Giants. a Giants fan. Yeah, or the grew, I grew up a Giants fan. I was a Giants it's, fan, then I kind of lost my way a bit and started betting and less attachment to teams. But maybe I'll lean back into the Giants. Giants would be. Giants would be fine. By the way,
4: if Nick Sirianni does in fact get fired, Brian Dayball, the the longest <laughs> tenured coach in the <laughs> NFC East, yes. with two years. If McCarthy, if McCarthy yes. and Sirianni both end up losing their jobs, which is both. Yep. McCarthy's much more rumored than Sirianni, but there's a chance.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, yeah. Let's hit on these wide receivers. Uh, Harrison, Neighbors, Odunze, w- are they just going to be superstars from the jump? We've seen wide receivers come into the league. I mean, Pukenaku is right. kind of a strange exception, but guys like Jefferson you Chase, have, who are just you have superstars the going to
4: the You have Harrison going to the Patriots. You have Neighbors going uh, to the Chargers, and then, uh, uh, yeah, Odunizé going to the Bears. Right, which would be paired with, with, Caleb, with Caleb Williams, Williams which so you have to like Ooh. a lot in that situation. And, and then Moore.
2: it's funny with Marvin Harrison Jr., you hate this situation because then who's the quarterback, right? Sure. They they only do this if they go out in free agency and get Kirk Cousins or somebody they really like. Otherwise, they probably have to take Jaden Daniels. Or Justin three.
4: Fields, by the way, who apparently right. is now available. Right. right? If, if they're taking Caleb Williams, they're not sticking. He's getting the, traded. He's getting traded. So you
2: think of Atlanta, you think of all of those teams that are quarterback needy. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a star in this league. It's, it, for redraft evaluations, it'll be similar to how people looked at Jamar Chase, his rookie year. I mean, you just think, hey, he's going to be really good right away. Size, speed, he's bigger than Chase, which is crazy. Neighbors reminds me so much of DJ Moore. He is so good with the ball in his hands and wins without the ball in his hands over the top. A lot of people will say, how did the Chargers draft another wide receiver? It's going to be a new regime. It doesn't matter. Quentin Johnson means nothing to this new regime. They need another wide receiver. In any normal wide receiver class, neighbors is the number one wide receiver. He's just in a class with the greatest wide receiver prospect we have maybe have seen in the last 10 years. Right.
3: Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump to 11. You
2: have
4: have Marvin Harrison Jr. Just for people that, you know, you have Marvin Harrison Jr. graded higher than Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson actually was it, you know, he was oh, considered right. more of a slot guy. He, yeah. he became that, but like yeah. he was like a a day 2 guy coming out, I feel like Jefferson was.
2: Chase uh Chase was the best I've seen while doing this and I would say Marv is at least equal with him. At the end of it it could it could be a higher grade. Okay. Uh, I did have Jefferson in the first round. What I've missed you? I've missed plenty, but I did have him at the end of the first round. That's where enough. he went that's and good. it worked
3: out pretty good well, for Huckley him. I above Jalen Rigo.
2: But the slot thing yeah. was, yes. <laughs> was very real. That was very real. It was like only plays in the slot like, well, he, when you watch the reps outside, he's cooking people, and it worked out pretty good for yep,
3: Indeed. All right, let's jump to 11 through 20 yeah. uh, headlines by Michael Penix Jr. How much did he hurt his stock uh, with the National Championship game?
2: Not that much, Jay, because he played so well in the semifinal when yep. he had been written off after his career at Indiana. He goes to Washington. He has a great two years. He's maybe the most pro-ready pocket passer in the draft. He's going to the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy announced last night, uh, and he's going to have a great couple of days there. His arm talent is just incredible. I've heard these teams in the middle range are all over him knowing that the top 3 guys are going to be gone. Kevin O'Connell when you watch his offense, it is a perfect fit for Pennix Jr. Kind of makes you wonder if the Broncos at 12 or the Raiders at 13 try to get in front of Minnesota for maybe the last of the first round quarterbacks. Would
4: be would be super interesting. Let's move down the list here. Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia, you have him going to the Colts at 15 overall. I'll just say this, the Falcons at pick eight could do the funniest thing of all time <laughs> <laughs> if they wanted to take Bowers. Yeah. I'm just, I just, you know, throwing it out there. You have them taking Dallas Turner from Alabama at eight, but I'm just saying if the Falcons just wanted to really troll everyone in the universe, <laughs> yep. they could take, they could take Bowers. Um, and I think about a year ago we looked ah first round rookie tight ends, but in a year after Kincaid and Laporta, right? Um, you know, you saw flashes from Michael Mayer, like uh, suddenly Brock Bowers, who has drawn comparisons, you know, to Kyle Pitts in the sense of this is an elite tight end prospect.
2: Right. Different players, of course, but. Right. It goes back to the combo we had on the show months ago where we were talking about Trey McBride. And we were like, why is Trey McBride, should he be a thing? He's the rare unicorn that was the guy in his college offense at tight end. Offenses in college, they don't use the tight end as the number one guy. He was that guy at Colorado State. Brock Bowers did this as a freshman and a sophomore for National Championship Georgia. Georgia, In the SEC, who, yeah. who they've had Pickens, they've had players, but he's the guy. They designed most of the passing offense, which was run by Todd Munkin those years, around him. That speaks volumes of how special he is. He can win above the rim. He breaks a ton of tackles. He's a good blocker. He never comes off the field. Can play on the line, off the line. This is a special player at the position.
3: Yep. And the betting market rated Georgia is the best team in the country going into the SEC title game. Uh, and you can see how much they dropped off because Bowers clearly wasn't 100%. This year. Uh year. Next one, By just, the way,
4: going to a Shane, if, if this holds true, oh my goodness. going to a Shane Steichen offense would be
2: pretty interesting.
3: Yep. Kind of the next wide receiver, Brian Thomas Jr., you've got going 17 to the Jags. What kind of impact will he have?
2: I don't know if this is even high enough, and nobody's talking about him, but his speed is different. He's 6'4", he's got great length, but he runs like the wind. He absolutely flies, he tracks the ball well. Jacksonville, a lot of people think they're going to lose Calvin Ridley in free agency. A lot of people are starting to think that, which means they go back to the well in the draft for wide receiver with the biggest big play threat. I mean, when you look at Jalen Hyatt last year, this guy's a better version of that. He really is. I think he's more well-rounded. So Thomas Jr., once again, buried in a great receiver class where the top three are superstars. This guy has legitimate number one potential. I think Jameson Williams, maybe not as fast, but he's bigger and plays stronger.
4: Yeah. A name that we need to get to know. Let's move now to uh, 21 through 30, uh, your third round here. And you know the first guy that sort of comes up here is Troy Franklin, the Oregon wide receiver who you have. Going to the Chiefs. They do need wide receivers. (laughs) that can catch the ball. Troy Franklin can catch the ball.
2: Right. Troy Franklin, very... What else can he do? Will Fuller player. He just constantly (laughs) runs by guys. He's been phenomenal for Bo Nix these last two years at Oregon. The true vertical threat. This is just a layup putting him in an offense with Patrick Mahomes. Somebody that could stretch the field. Rasheed Rice was interesting this year. He was used more of a short area target rather than a true field stretcher. So go get that guy in Franklin and balance this passing attack.
3: No, I like that. Uh, And this is... It's interesting, the, just the lack of running backs, right? Is there anyone who's going to go? going If them? I did
2: a two-round mock draft, I don't know if we'd have one. That's how thin we are this year. The best running back in the country for the draft was Jonathan Brooks from Texas. He tore his ACL in October. So, Blake Corn from Michigan, nice player. Trey Benson from Florida State, nice player. But we are so far removed from last year with Bijan and Gibbs.
4: This is a bunch of, sounds like it's
2: some. Dynasty third round flyers. Yeah, just
4: guys that you're hoping that fall into the right situation as well. Last one for me here is Walker from North Carolina. Devante's Walker. You have him going to the Buffalo Bills. Talk to me about Walker from Carolina.
2: Much like maybe Calvin Ridley leaves Jacksonville, maybe Gabe Davis leaves Buffalo, and they need that number two. Walker's very consistent. He had a weird NCAA issue where he couldn't get on the field the first six weeks as a transfer. He was phenomenal with Drake May the rest of the year. He has huge strides, can win down the field. He's very good in the short area. They need consistency at their number two wide receiver spot. He'd bring that to Buffalo. Certainly like that. All right. Well, good job. You can read the rest of Connor's mock
4: draft again at NBCSports.com. It's Mock Draft 3.0. When we come back, our best bets for the divisional round on Fantasy Football Happy Hour.
2: Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this playoffs, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers get a no-sweat-same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code BERRY when you sign up. DraftKings DraftKings
0: Sportsbook, Sportsbook, the crown is yours!
2: It is time for Last Call. Let's take a look at the early divisional lines and totals, Jay. What do you got your eye on for? A truly phenomenal divisional round.
3: Hi, my own Patrick Mahomes, he's pretty good. Uh, good and I like the Chiefs plus two and a half here, it's minus 102 so it's almost effectively plus three. And the reason why, I talked about this, here are the Bills defensive players who are injured at the moment. Terrell Bernard, Christian Benford, Teron Johnson, uh, Rasul Douglas, Taylor Rapp. All of these guys. uh, I think Rasul Douglas is going to come back, but that's a problem, and you don't want to be that banged up against the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs team that looked a lot better last week. So give me the Chiefs plus two and a half.
4: I like that one. Matthew, what are you looking at? You know, I'm uh, going to take the over on 44 and a half Ravens-Texans. I get it. The Ravens have had time to, you know, prepare for this game, and they're at home, but, like, I don't know, the Ravens' offense is so good, and as well as the Texans' defense played against Joe Flacco, like, the Texans' defense has some holes, so I think the Ravens are going to be able to score here, and I don't know, I believe in C.J. Stroud being able to go into this game. Like, if they're down big, like, I don't think this is a grinded-out game. So 44-and-a-half uh, strikes me as too low for two really good offenses. I get the Ravens' defense is really good, but... I don't know, I'm a believer in C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins. Yeah,
3: I like the Texans there as well. I think I just don't think Stroud should ever be a nine-point dog at this yeah. point. Right. Right?
2: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm going Texans plus nine. Yeah. Simple as that. I agree with you because it's two things, right? It's either a close game right. or it's not a close game. and puts the Texans in a throw script that the Texans are going to stay within nine points. Yes. I don't see any outcome where they're completely blown out. The Ravens are great, but we need to understand how good C.J. Stroud is right now and how B- Bobby Sloke, Jay, I remember last week you were like, I love him, but the run, run pass—he needs to get out of that. And
3: in the playoffs, the first game, he finally got out of that and looked yep, amazing. He did, uh, and I think he learned his lesson against the Colts. Right. They almost <laughs> lost this season right. because also the Ravens are magnificent. It's like three games ago, the Ravens were six-and-a-half-point dogs at San Francisco, and then Brock Purdy threw four picks. So I'm not sure that the Ravens are the absolute juggernaut everyone thinks they are. I think they're very good. I think they're the best team in the AFC, but I don't think this team is unbeatable.
4: Yeah, Yeah. I don't. And, I mean, D'Amico Ryans has this team believing in in a big way here. And, like, again, like, I I saw this tweet, but, like, C.J. Stroud is him. Yes. Right? He really is. Legitimately. Legitimately, he's him. All right, hey, it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay, Connor and an angry Penn State Blake, I'm Matthew Berry. We'll see you back on Thursday for a preview. Peace out.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary.